Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magnum Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we finished season one of Succession. We are professionals, so we're barreling through to season two. We are on season two, episode one, called, what is this called? The Summer Palace. Summer Palace, indeed. We're following the steps of British royalty. I am very, very excited for you to watch season two. Uh, you know, I, I've watched season two. I watched it live. It premiered earlier this year. And uh, I was like constantly texting you how good it was while it was on. <laughs> you did every episode for a show I wasn't watching. I also routinely started sending you random Roman lines. You, you from did the new as season well. With no context, which was also great. <laughs> but now you get to finally enjoy it. Season two in all its glory. And I'm excited. I'm so glad we didn't like do our usual four week delay with this because I was ready to watch like eight episodes of the show if we had any delay at all. Yeah, no, this is good. Let's let's barrel through. Um, we'll do a couple episodes before our annual New Year's get together. Maybe we can do one live then, and uh, we'll finish up in early 2020. We got a plan. Awesome. All right. So if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, that would be a little weird. But if it is, uh, we do a recap. We do some segments. Spencer gives some relationship advice of the episode, which I usually help him condense. We mm. do Roman line of the episode, and we do Roy of the episode, the Roy that won the episode. We got a plan. All right. Let's jump into the recap here. We start with Kendall in a pool. This must be the desert that Logan told Kendall to dry himself out in at the uh, end of uh, season one. Somebody who works there comes in, uh, comes up to him and says that there's someone there for him. Kendall's a bit jumpy and skeptical, but he's basically, but this, this poor woman's basically like, look, they just told me to come get you. Okay. Don't ask me any more fucking questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kendall comes inside and is greeted by a guy named Ragnar. Magnuson. Magnuson. Great name. Great name. Yeah, it's a strong name. Ragnar Magnuson. You, that should be the name of your, your firstborn. Ragnar Magnuson Leach. I don't know if my family could ever pull that off. Honestly, that's implying a certain level of badass that I'm not going to assume my spawn is capable of. <laughs> uh, we've never met this guy before. Uh, he says to Kendall that they may need to, quote, pull him out. Kendall asks who he is. Uh, and apparently this guy has been commissioned uh, to get Kendall on TV as soon as possible. Kendall then mentions he's only been there for 48 hours. Kendall gets 48 hours in rehab, and Logan says that's enough. From Logan's perspective, that is being generous. I am letting you outside of my immediate control and my immediate needs for the greater part of two days. Yeah, yeah, I'm a great father. Kendall then wants to know if he can get his mud treatment. <laughs> the answer to that is a resounding no. no. Uh, as they drive off, Magnuson explains that Stewie and Sandy have continued with their hostile takeover attempt without him which is actually surprising i did not expect that at the end of season one i thought they were setting up for the whole thing fell apart What'd yeah you think? I, mean, that, I thought that was entirely part of the logan's plan was that if he once kindle falls him providing them him providing pretty much the substantial share of the equity him providing the old key rally around position that they would have no reasonable opportunity to go forward but i guess from their perspective it's kind of sunk costs at this point they've already done the legwork they've already talked to people they've already arranged their media arm and they've already publicly announced it's going to happen. They can't really dial it back at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I, it just surprised me. I, and I, I also, th they don't give you a lot of specifics, obviously, in this show. Mm. Uh, but I didn't think that they could go forward without him. But I guess it makes sense that they could. Because the whole thing was they were going to have to commit, convince shareholders to sell anyway. So now it's just more shareholders they have to convince. Yeah. Now, instead of needing, you know, 60% of the other shareholders, they need every single one of them. Yeah, something like that. Um, Kend uh, Kendall says, um, you know, anyway, they they tell him that he needs to go on TV to uh, when the New York Stock Exchanges open up that day. 
I guess, in an attempt to help his father with this continued bid for a hostile takeover. Where do you think we are, by the way? So that was the first clue that we're not in America, right? Because it's clearly like midday there. Yeah, and it's a very moonscape kind of landscape that they're driving through to get him back home. Um, do you, I think we've talked about this before, do you watch the show with subtitles on? I do, and that gave me a hint. Right, yeah, so they, they in the subtitles they say that the driver and, and Magnuson are talking in Icelandic to yeah. each other. So, Iceland? So, apparently when he said, I'm going to send you to the desert to dry out, what he really meant was, I'm going to send you to a remote island in the middle of the Atlantic to get out of my hair. When you first heard it, did you think for a moment that maybe he was sending him to go to Connor's house? Yeah, a lot of people did. A lot of people thought that he was going to Connor's um, to dry out, which would be a buzzkill like in multiple ways. But Kendall then asked the question, hey, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like you're not getting high. And then also you're with Connor. Ugh. God. Um, Kendall then says, well, really, really, really help if I get on TV, um, you know, help his father in this you know, issue with the hostile takeover. And Magnuson says a public and personal declaration of withdrawal could be very helpful. This is a non-English speaker. Mm hmm. Magnuson then asks if he's okay. Fair question, because Kendall seems really rattled here. Uh, and Kendall says, yeah, if my dad wants me to do it, then I'll do it. He's handed a note card, and the note card simply says, I saw their plan. Dad's plan was better. This is his mantra of the episode. And they're trying to keep this simple, because I think as much as Logan's, you know, forcing him to do this, they're under full understanding that he is not by any reasonable assumption at 100% right now. <laughs> They've drawn him out of what should probably be a multi-week program on day two to go... Speak in front of the world. <laughs> rehab's usually not just multi-week. <laughs> a lot of rehabs are pretty long. And with his money, he probably would go to one that's like six, eight months, something like that. Okay. So, so the fact that he was only there for 48 hours is pretty ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're clearly somewhere in Europe again. I think it's Iceland. Uh, and they pull up to some sort of like local TV thing. I don't know if they own it. Maybe they do. Uh, but Carolina is there. To meet Kendall, she's prepping him to go on TV and has him practice answering a question about why he planned, but ultimately chose not to go through with the takeover. Kendall isn't really speaking at this point. I, I, Spencer, I was very nervous for our boy Kendall here. Yeah, he appeared very much kind of shell shock zoned out for so much of this. I was not anticipating much from him once the camera started to roll. Carolina notices this as well. She says she's pulling it. Basically, she's just going to stop the whole thing. Kendall insists that he can do it, even as his nose starts to bleed. Not a good sign. We, we saw Carolina last season, right? She's one of one of the top, basically top lieutenants of Logan, right? Yeah, she's that assistant that Logan barked that he was paying a million dollars a year to. She, it's interesting to see for an assistant to someone that is that powerful has a hell of a lot of power. She comes across this episode as being a very senior person, which I guess she is being Logan's main assistant. So, all right, personal story from my uh, professional life. Please. Um, and it's so much smaller scale, but I think it, it it hits here. So one time I interned for a city manager. I don't know if everybody knows what a city manager is. Basically, like, in places that has, like, a mayor that they don't really want running shit because they just elect, like, the local <laughs> fucking bumpkin. They yeah. have an actual professional manager that comes in and runs the municipality. And I was the I was his intern. Like straight up intern. I wasn't I wasn't even the Dwight Schrute. I wasn't assistant to the city manager. And I would go into like city departments and like the director of the department would drop what they were doing to talk to me. Because I spoke on behalf of the city manager. I think it's kind of the same idea here with Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, and Jerry, definitely. Um, although she's like <laughs> chief counsel, so she has an actual like position. She's not just an assistant. But when called to be, both can very effectively serve as the voice of Sauron. Absolutely. Uh, so they get him on a chair in front of a camera, and it is showtime. 
the host asks uh, ask how things are going with Kendall and Logan. Basically, how's the relationship with your father? And Kendall stammers out that they are good, then gets awkwardly tripped up and talks over the lady for a second. I'm still thinking this is going to be a fucking train wreck. Mm-hmm. And then she asks him why he got involved and why he backed out. Kendall again starts stammering. Something like there was a he says something like there was a myriad of factors that go into a decision and a whole lifetime can lead to a moment. Yeah, he's not starting great right now. It's like and... a Michael Bolton song. <laughs> I didn't say it that way, but yes, that's those quoting one. <laughs> Shib is on a, they cut to Shib. She's on a yacht with Tom and they're watching this on a tablet. And they're both commenting about how terrible Kendall looks. Kendall does look pretty bad here. Yeah, I mean, throughout his little speech, we get comments from Shiv and Roman that are anything but supportive, which kind of frames how they're going to be to Kendall throughout this entire episode. Oh, absolutely. But Kendall does finally get there. Oh, he finds the long his Long and short of it is, I saw their plan. Dad's plan is better. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Math of Sauron, look at this, and she's starting to nod. She's starting to get impressed with him. And he really only continues to do better from there, too. He finds his footing, definitely. She smiles. She's earned that million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. She That is who she is. Gotcha. Now I remember. Yeah, Kendall finally catches his stride. He says that he thought the shareholders were previously being ignored. However, those concerns are being addressed. So he actually has answered both questions. Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut to Roman. He's in some hospital watching on a tablet. It looks like a, a hospital in some Asian country um, uh, based on the, the lettering. Uh, on the signage in the hospital. So I guess he's checking on the guys who were missing thumbs. Yeah, that's my, that was my interpretation, which I'm really surprised that he would go in person to do that. Uh, did you notice who was with him? Well, yes. Yes. Jerry. J- Jerry cracks the fucking whip. She says, Roman, yeah. you're going to see the guys with no thumbs. There's no way he would have done it without Jerry, but he's doing it if Jerry you, says You that. are going, there will be cameras, and you will do this right. No jokes, no co- no comment. Back fact, don't even speak. Yep, and he is talking to Shib. Ooh, look at me. I'm Kendall. I'm a sassy little bitch. <laughs> Shib wants to know what's going on. Um, thought Kendall was benched. Roman keeps commenting on how terrible Kendall looks. He really seems to be relishing in that. Shib bemoans that she has bad Wi-Fi. Roman, why do you have bad Wi-Fi? Her, because I wanted a place with no Wi-Fi. This is the most millennial shit of all time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, like, it, it, you know, like, let's go somewhere without Wi-Fi to really get off, you know, the reservation. And then, like, you're day two and you're, like, holding the tablet <laughs> up to the ceiling. Like, oh, God, I get just a little bit of a connection here. Just yelling at the cap and saying, can you go closer to shore so I can pick up the Starbucks, please? Yeah. I, You know, and I know that they have a limited budget, so they probably couldn't do this. But, like... I, I mean, if I'm Shib and Tom, I'm not sitting in that little room the whole time on that big-ass yacht. I mean, I guess they didn't really rent the yacht, so <laughs> they had to shoot it that way. But every time, I just get, I just was cracking up during the episode thinking, like, they just bought a yacht to sit in a room. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> go on the deck. It's going to be the same Wi-Fi signal. Come on. Yeah. Um, then the host asks Kendall if there's a plan in place if Logan got hit by a bus. Kendall, the plan would be for the municipality of New York to find a new bus because my dad got hit by a bus the city would be down one bus not one ceo logan who is watching at the waystar i absolutely uh waystar uh bunker uh with a room full of people says ladies and gentlemen the first fucking thing my son has done right in his life cut to opening credits (laughs) and we're in season two high praise from logan high praise he's very stingy with the honest compliments towards his children and that one deserves one Kendall, while not in his best position, rose to the occasion, and that's a line that's going to be in the newspapers. That's a great line. Absolutely. Um, I'd never heard that expression before, had you? No, I hadn't. And, you know, that was not the one that was on the card. They didn't think he was capable of, you know, 
working off those kind of big line notes to even repeat them. But no, he summoned it himself. Yeah, we always, so at my work, we always say, like when we're doing succession planning, we say, well, what happens if so-and-so got hit by a bus? That's like the most common way to say it. <laughs> and I was thinking like, is there any world in which I could work that response in? And I just don't think so. I think I would be just viewed as a fucking flaming douche if I said that no. about anybody. Regardless, it could be the CEO of the company. The CEO would be like, "Okay, that's a little, that's enough." It's the perfect line for the context he offered it in. If you're actually, if people are actually asking you that question honestly, if they actually want you to deliver an honest answer, it is the most douche possible thing to respond with. That's pretty rough. Uh, back at the hospital with Roman and Jerry. Um, Roman, oh, how the mighty have fallen. He was a king once. Now look at him, eating shit with feet of clay, a fucking neutered hound dog. Jerry, I think he did okay. Roman, oh, yes, he did great. He did just fine. But Jesus, Elvis on the fucking toilet. Like, he doesn't come back from this, right? Like, he just walked around the New York Stock Exchange with his severed dick in his hand, asking where it was good for free soup. He just ate the big dog dick, sucked the pooch bone dry. <laughs> great Roman line there. I really feel like, uh, and this is something that, uh, fans of the show and people who report on the show have talked about. So what they have done going into season two is these people, the actors have inhabited these characters in such a way mm -hmm. that they do a lot of improv. And especially with Kieran Culkin, they just like, they kind of give him cliff notes and just let him go. <laughs> just insults work dogs in. Go. Well, they, I mean, literally they said that he did, he would go into a scenes and not really know his lines and he didn't want to, cause he just kind of goes, crazy and this is one of them where i feel like he, they just let him kind of just spin out oh he has he must have so much fun with this role then because he goes to such heights it's one of those things like with his insults of where i keep expecting them to cut and no he's got like four more in him before we're going to the next scene yeah i was not expecting i thought he was done after the free soup but then he, go, he goes on uh <laughs> did you catch when he asked the question he doesn't come back from this right how jerry just dismissively shrugs at him yeah yeah just like... fucking love jerry Marsha's your girlfriend. Jerry's my girlfriend. You know, I'm with you. Jerry's, uh, Jerry's one of the people I'm fully expecting to be the last one standing on the top of the seat. Probably serving in the similar position or higher up with, you know, Greg as the new CEO. But she'll still be there. Cousin Greg. I uh, cut back to Shiva Tom. Tom is checking on the Waystar stock price. That was like his first question. Um, apparently it's fine. Tom and Shiva are talking about what Sandy and Stewie might have offered Logan. So they're, they're kind of in the dark here about what Logan knows or the communications he's had. Shib asks if Tom wants to abandon the honeymoon. Interesting sequence here, because I feel like when she asked the question, Tom had not considered doing that mm -hmm. and had to be very careful about how he responded because she wouldn't have asked the question if she wasn't interested. And then she like asked him like multiple times. Yeah, but do you, but, but do you, but do you? Yeah, she asked him like four or five times over the course of this episode. Each time he pretty much has to pretty, he pretty clearly says, no, I don't want to. Which again, Tom's developing a spine. Because as you said, she would not be asking this unless she already wanted him to do it. And it's kind of surprised she needs to keep repeating herself. Well, I don't know. He keep, he does say, do you? He it's I don't know how much of a spine he has because he says, no, no, do you? And she <laughs> she just keeps saying, no, no, do you? Yeah. Little Abbott Costello situation. Mm -hmm. Eventually, apparently uh, they do. Though it takes a while before they reach that decision. Yeah, Kendall lands back in the States and Ken asks the head of security if he got a bike because, of course, Kendall rides a fucking motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Security guy tells Kendall that his dad didn't want him to ride alone. Probably a good call there from Logan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not, mm -hmm. not bad. Um, last time you drove anything, it didn't work particularly well. <laughs> yeah, valid point. 
Kendall takes off in the back of a motorcycle with some nameless guy driving. They arrive at Waystar and Kendall goes in, walks in through the office with everyone not hiding how much they are looking at him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kendall walks into his dad's office. Oh, hey there, Mr. Potato Head, my plastic adversary. Oh, such an old guy insult. Mr. Potato Head? He doesn't feel the need to update his insults to the times. People will come to him when it comes to insults. Uh, Logan wel- uh, welcomes Kendall into the bunker. Say hello to the grunts. No offense, Carl. None taken. Well, a bit of offense, Carl. Because a smarter CFO might have seen this fucking disaster coming. <laughs> Got it? Yep. Offense now taken. <laughs> that is a loyal drone right there where you feel the need to, okay, you've said you're not insulting me. I'm with you. You've said you are insulting me. I'm still with you. Yeah. Very, very funny line there from Logan. Um, well, some offense, Carl. Um, Carl mentions the stock price is up a little. No, actually, then um, Logan thanks Kendall for the TV thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, no, it's cool. And Carl mentions the stock price is up a little, so it probably didn't do much for them. Logan says, well, he tried. Logan says he needs to do a debrief with the double agent, and everybody files out. Carl tries to leave, but Logan tells him to stay. Mm-hmm. Because apparently, this is, so this is the replacement for Frank. We've, we've seen Carl around before. He's one of the top members. But it, as Logan seems to be indicating, it seems like a bit of a lesser successor. No, um... No, I think Carl is CFO. I think Frank was COO. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, good call. So Carl's probably still remaining in that same position, I guess, then? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, Logan then tells Kendall, okay, now you step onto the rack. I'm going to pull you limb from limb like a pinata and see what falls out. Logan is in good spirits. Oh, yeah. Um, See, uh, so this is what it is. uh, So this is what this is about. This is what my my notes say. Basically, we, we finally figure out now why has Logan pulled kindle out well the tv spot is one thing didn't have to bring him to new york for that it's because he wants to know okay what does sandy and stewie know what's their game plan right. tell me everything which makes a hell of a lot of sense for him to do this i was kind of debating why you would feel the need to do the tv spot you know it's like okay it's valuable you probably get somebody other than kindle to do it but you know useful enough but this makes a lot of sense he needs the insider information and he needs it now yeah logan wants to know their strategy what the weak points are etc but first he wants to start at the start when did they approach you? Kendall said they took their time to persuade him to Logan betray me. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, took their time's a bit of a stretch, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, I guess in Kindle time. I mean, um, it happened all in the same evening, like, you know, probably an hour and a half, two hours apart. Yeah, but Kindle's a drug guy. Like, he wants everything to happen right away. True. Valid point. Six hour wait. That's a lot for a drug guy. Oh yeah. That, that took a massive amount of consideration on his part to really delay that decision making. Yeah. Kendall informs Logan that they think they're going to win. They mentions, he mentions that he gave them information um, that leads him to believe that inside the firm there was erratic decision making going on. Um, they think Logan is uh, emotional, unstable, not necessarily logic driven, getting weaker, and that he'll crack under pressure. Has this, this point, I think he's already dismissed Carl, right? Uh, it's somewhere around here. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't think... it, it, it's reaching a point of when he eventually says, uh, where Kindle starts to go a little bit vague about the details, and Logan, reading the tea leaves, goes, okay, Carl, now you can leave. And then Kindle goes into the real things he said. Yeah, Kindle says, obviously major shareholders, that's this is who they're going to contact. Most institutional are most are institutional, as you'd expect, risk averse, and there's a big degree of sort of legacy trust in you as a kind of one shot voodoo guy who holds the whole thing together. I think that's probably very true. 
Logan asks if that's it. That's when Kendall stutters, okay, this is when he motions for Carl to leave. Yeah. Kendall says he's talked to their PR team and gave them the medications Logan is on. Oh. Told them about hitting Iverson. Oh. And peeing in Kendall's office. Oh. Kendall starts to apologize and Logan cuts him off. Says he needs Kendall on investor calls to pour buckets of cold shit on the bed. Man, when Kendall turns against you, he just lays it all out. He's his father's son. Yeah. Kendall walks into the hallway and Carolina comes up to him. She gives him some notes on the shareholders. Kendall then asks if Jess is back. Jess is Kendall's assistant. Mm-hmm. Kendall, normally on some matters, Jeff speaks to my friend Nick for me, and he sources for me. Carolina, de- Caroline desperately wants out of this conversation. Has Jess been let go? Is that what they're kind of implying here, or is she just literally not physically back yet? Oh, I think she's been let go. Yeah, I mean, she was a Waystar employee that was his his assistant, so... Yeah, my guess Why was that. Keep her yeah, that's my guess. That you you were aiding him in this coup. We see no need for you to continue. In fact, we want to keep him as weak as possible without having outside people we can talk to. Yeah, also like in big companies like that. I mean, your your assistant is just kind of your assistant, and yeah. like you when you leave, they leave with you. Oh yeah, it's your it is your Batman, your Bagman, your Body Man. He's your little he, house elf. You know, I don't know what that term means yet, but everybody on that on our podcast keeps referencing it, so I'm curious to see what that is. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Kendall walks. Um, Kendall says he's going to be cleaning up his act. Uh, but right now, he needs a straightener. Um, look, Carolina, time to fucking earn that million dollars. Get out there and fucking get some park coke with Greg. Yeah, apparently, her idea of getting him a straightener is to commission Greg to go do it. Which Carolina, you know, apparently there are gaps in your knowledge and abilities. Yeah, that's that was a bad call. Cut to Logan's house that evening. Logan's having dinner with somebody we haven't seen before. It's a guy named Jamie, who is Logan's banker. We've never seen or heard reference to this guy previously, right? We have not. New character for season two. Gotcha. Logan says it's disappointing he got no advance warning of the attack. Jamie says Sandy's operation is tight. It's hard to get information out of them. I believe that. Sandy seems like he kind of has his ducks in a row. Yeah. Also, do you think he's telling the truth? Completely. I mean, I believe that Sandy's kept his information close to the vest, but Logan clearly does not seem to believe our banker at all. Well, he's a banker. <laughs> Valid point. Uh, Logan's, uh, Logan then wants to know what his move is. He's basically asking Jamie for, for help. Um, he said, I'm fucking whining. And then the guy goes, um, well, well, the conversation kind of goes multiple ways here. Because you start with Logan, who is just kind of like, you know, basically, why the hell am I dealing with this now? Like, mm-hmm. why didn't you help me? And he goes, I don't know. What are you going to do? And he goes, what am I going to do? I'm fucking whining and dining you here. I want you to tell me what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And they kind of have this back and forth until finally Jamie just says, look, here's the deal. You want to fight. I know you well enough to know that you're going to want to fight. But the reality here is I don't think that's the smart play. So what is, what's in it for me to tell you something you don't want to hear? Mm-hmm. And Logan says, well, try to think of it as a long-term investment in my trust in you. Uh, Jamie says that on the business fundamentals, Logan should sell. Yeah. Sure, Logan can fight, and who knows, maybe he'd win. But nothing would get done in the meantime. Jamie, I don't know. There's blood in the water. Your price is edging down. Tech is coming. Tech is here. Tech has its hands around your throat. Maybe one, two legacy media operations will make themselves big enough to survive. The price that Sandy is offering is inflated. Inflated by bitterness, ego, and spite. Probably a lot of truth bombs there. Oh, yeah. You you choose not to sell. What's going to be different two, four years? Are people going to be more likely to read your newspapers or watch TV? 
Really great points here. He concludes that the wise thing to do is sell. And generally, Logan does the wise thing, although he fully expects, expects that Logan will call him a mean name and throw a decanter against the wall. I love the building honesty in this guy's commentary about the situation of where at first he's being as cagey as humanly possible. But by the end, he's just let every barrier fall. It's like, okay, you want to have an honest conversation now? Here is my business professional opinion about how fucked you are. Yeah, and Spencer, I got to tell you, really shocked here that Logan's banker would vote for a path that causes Logan to come into a massive amount of capital. You know. Shocking. There could be a certain measure of self-interest in this opinion. I also don't think he's in any way wrong about any of this. No, I think, I mean, he, and Logan gets that advice from multiple people this episode, right? No, and Logan seems to appreciate it. I mean, he, he, he seems to even just, I think he even laughs in response to it. That, yeah, I do kind of want to throw something right now, but you're not wrong. So let's enjoy the wine. Yep. Uh, cut to Roman at a news conference talking about the shuttle explosion. And for some fucking reason, Spencer, I don't get this. They have the flat screen behind them with the explosion running on a loop. Who on God's green earth thought that would be a good idea for this press conference? Such a dumb fucking idea. Uh, Roman gets a question about the timetable for knowing what happened. He says he doesn't know. They're taking it seriously, though. And on that point, I'm not a rocket scientist. Ugh. So you know, cringy. it's cringy, but at the same time, it's okay. He does better than I honestly thought he would do in this kind of put-on-stage situation. It is an appropriately kind of pithy line in response to that kind of question. Well, but there's also like a 40% chance that he was just going to cuss them out, right? Yeah, that was the risk of putting him out there. And, you know, he didn't go that route. <laughs> I'll take pithy over directly vulgar from Roman any day for this kind of public news event. Yep. Uh, Roman gets a text and motions for Jerry to come over. Apparently, Logan has texted out to the kids, or somebody on his behalf has, that he's thinking about selling. And the mind games begin. Shib gets the same text. She shows Tom. They agree they probably have to cut the honeymoon short. So now they, they've agreed. Mm -hmm. Kendall gets the text, too. He's in a rented penthouse with my main man, Greg. Cousin Greg in the house. Is Greg here for any purpose other than to deliver the cocaine? <laughs> Unclear. But he is there to deliver the cocaine. He says, nice abode. Mm -hmm. um, gives Kendall a weird hug. Yeah. Um, Kendall, this, or Greg says, this place is sick. Kendall, yeah, it's fashion week. All the good penthouses are gone. Greg, yeah, no, I mean, it could be way better. I just don't know how. <laughs> Side note, funny line, very funny line. But is this actor like a foot and a half taller than anybody else on set? Because they, this, sign, this scene really emphasizes just how much taller he is than Kendall's actor. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, like actors are, like, short. A lot of actors are. It is true. Yeah. You fit them in the frame easier. Because I think this guy's about as tall as I am. But he looks like a fucking giant. Oh, he towers over pretty much, any, pretty much anybody other than Brian Cox. He's just leagues taller than they are. Uh, yep. Yeah, Greg, um, uh, Kendall then responds that he, he got rid of his house because it smelled like Rava. Oof. Mm. He's not in a good place. Kendall asks Greg if he brought the thing. Greg did bring the thing. He produces some Coke, a very small amount of Coke for a guy who's addicted to Coke. I would point that out. Kendall wants to know where he got it. Greg, it's from a connection in the park. Kendall, <laughs> I'm doing park Coke? That is just perfect. If my septum falls out, I'm going to make you eat my septum. <laughs> actually, now I was thinking about the height thing. It actually makes sense that James Cromwell is his direct relation because he's so much taller than everybody else, too. So maybe just that side of the family got the, got the height genes. But yes, back to cocaine. Yeah, good good casting there. Um, Kendall does a line. He hates it. Obviously, Greg just walked around in the park asking for a Coke. This is where it's at for this billionaire. <laughs> you know, 
Greg, you're rich now. You don't need to yourself go to the park to ask people for coke anymore. In fact, you probably shouldn't, really. No, that was a bad idea. Um, Greg says, I'm sorry he promised. <laughs> oh, he promised. Greg, want me to take it back? Kendall, yeah, take it back. Did you keep the receipt? <laughs> Money exchange. But Kendall is not rejecting the coke. No. He's going to use the coke. With various threats of what he's going to do to Greg in the event that his... Uh, if he has anything left of his fucking nostrils or if this eats his septum. Yeah. Uh, cut to Roman talking to Shiv on the phone. It says Logan is opening the Summer Palace to keep their gathering out of view of the press. See you at the hellhole, bro. See you at the shit piss, sis. Where is this place? Do we know? Uh, yeah, I believe it's Martha's Vineyard. Damn. <laughs> Just pick a rich place on earth. They've got a home there. Yeah, you ever been to Martha's Vineyard? I have been to Martha's Vineyard. It is rich yeah, old you, blood money. Look at you, fancy boy. How'd you like it? Well, they didn't let me in. I just kind of walked around it and commented on it. I'm not exactly the clientele that it gets to spend any real time there. Ah, I see. Um, and there's some... Anyway, they're, they're going to this huge house and the staff are getting it out of hibernation. It's one of those things like rich people, when they just like leave a house for like the winter or something, they like cover all the like furniture and like white blankets and shit and answer seriously to your question it's very pretty and very nice it's a lovely place to go visit sure yeah well shout out martha's vineyard hmm. maybe we'll get a sponsor the town of martha's vineyard why not sure yeah they need the help uh a huge food order comes in and i saw steak and lobster you see anything else uh steak lob- the, the, the mandatory shrimp there have to be lukewarm shrimp at all times and anything that these guys are at and goo and goo <laughs> kendall comes in He's a bit early, and he notices the house stinks. Uh, Shiv and Tom arrive, as does Roman. Spencer, did you catch that Roman calls Shiv a sex pot? I did. I wrote that one down. Their relationship is weird. Sex pot? Remember that time that he, like, he said something, like, or she said, what is that? She spelled his cologne, and she said, what is that date rape by Calvin Klein? And he said, yeah, you wish. Again, this is, yeah, he did say that. This is a continuation of that, and just, this goes into whole realms of things that I've never imagined saying to my sister, but apparently Roman does on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, Roman delivers a very funny line here where he gets super serious. What is that stink? Dead kid? Shallow grave? Shib asks him if they, uh, he wants to get some air, and he does. So outside, um, Roman says, I'm worried slash excited if he actually kills Kendall. Man, it would be so <laughs> weird if he killed him. I love that line so much. <laughs> Shib asks if this is good for Roman. Uh, she's doing the math for him. Kendall's out, obviously. She's with Gil. Connor is going to be in the White House, which gets a laugh out of both of them. Mm. Roman said. Roman then says he hasn't considered it, which is complete bullshit. And Shib says, well, good luck. And Roman immediately gets suspicious. I know what you're doing. You're fucking with me. She gets in my head, but it's cool. I can go. Maybe I'm fucking ready for it. Shib, you are. No reason for you to blow up. Roman, I think you're a super talented superstar, and I love you. Roman, oh, you're such a fucking bitch. <laughs> and she does that little cute smile. No, he was exactly reading this correctly. She was being a bitch to him. She totally was. There's no way that was genuine. She's just getting in his head. Yeah. And she knows that if you can get in Roman's head, he'll fall apart. In a heartbeat. And again, we see really this episode just... We previously had some hints that Shiv was ambitious in terms of what she maybe wanted to do in the future with this company. But this episode, it's front and center that she's got goals. Yes, she does. Uh, Logan and Marsha are entering. The staff person says they're looking all over for the, the source of the smell. They're working on it. Marsha has a little side thing. You probably don't catch it the first time you're watching it. 
Hmm? Well, she asked about some renovations that have happened. I did not say, oh, catch yeah. that, no. Yeah, she asked the staff, after the smell, she goes, what about the renovations? And they say, oh, yeah, those are done. Important for later. Mental note. Yeah. Uh, Logan, uh, open the doors. It smells like the cheesemonger died and left his dick in the brie. <laughs> God, he's a funny guy. <laughs> this family just is so good with the turns of phrase. I honestly think I could I could handle Logan as his son. Like, I think I'd get him. In, just, he's pretty much a serious guy. He can be funny at times. And he just doesn't want you to be a fucking idiot. Here's a question, though. He's got three sons. Obviously, you're not going to be assuming their personality. But what position would you want to be in? Um, if you could replace one of them. Uh, it would be COO. I mean, so I would want to be Roman. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I think because, I, I, mean, I think... Go ahead. I said I've got much greater you, hopes for you than I do for Roman for the job. Oh, yeah. Uh, what about you? Which one would you pick? <sighs> Uh, I don't think I could handle Ken. I don't think I could handle Logan. So that may inform my choice of going with Connor. Connor just out there buying fucking dictators penises. We'll get into that in a minute. Yes. <laughs> uh, Logan shouts for Kendall. Uh, come on, let's hug it out. Um, Logan is pissed about the smell. He has a funny line: two hundred million, and I need a fucking clip on my nose to keep from retching. Two hundred million dollars? He invested on that place? Yeah, I was wondering about that number. Did he spend two hundred million dollars on this estate? Did, like in terms of buying it, or was that just the renovations? Oh no, no, no that 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 couldn't just be the renovations. I'm they, hoping. They go into, yeah, no, that, that's not. Um, I think he's. I think he probably spent two hundred million on this fucking big crazy ass Martha Vineyard house. That now sounds like rotting death or uh, Dixon Brie. Uh, Logan asks if Kendall is all right. Kendall says he could use some downtime at some point. Logan, sure, just don't think he's natural. Can't be helped, but you know, in limits. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dad. What does that mean? I it I think it's his idea of don't it's his kind of way of saying don't dwell, uh just you know ignore everything that's happened to you leading up to this present moment because it you know could lead to unhealthy thoughts, which is a certain measure of good advice in a his incredibly unhelpful kind of way. Yeah, and Logan seems to think that that's it. They've settled all their issues. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're good. You're you're, uh, you're back right? in, so I've got no problems now. So clearly we have no issues. And then you get the real story here because Logan leaves and Marsha immediately walks up and says, are we good? Everything good? So Marsha put him up to this, obviously. Yeah. Um, Marsha comes to Kendall and asks if his trip was okay. Great line here from your girlfriend, Marsha. We've been, you've been through difficult times. You're a nice boy, but out of difficult times comes strong men. Gives him a kiss on the cheek and barks for some candles. If, assuming that was well meant, that's solid supportive advice that Kendall could really have more, really appreciate more people giving to him right now. I think that it was. I think Marsha is not. I think she's a pretty good person. And I think that she does. You know, I'm sure what Kendall did pissed her off. But she also on a personal level understands, okay, it's over. We won. Mm -hmm. But he's dealing with the fact he was a part of some kid dying. I, I wouldn't put the responsibility on him. But he was a part of the, the whole thing. Um, and his whole plan falling apart and him basically losing all leverage and power in the family. Right. Also, from what we saw over at Thanksgiving, Marcia seems to really have hopes for the idea of a family and the support, mutually supportive family. So she seems to want the various members of this family to do well and come together in that way. So it would make sense that she would be wanting to invest in Kindle and support him now that he's very much, probably forever, back in the family. You seem like you have a very good relationship with your family. So you that, this type of character probably wouldn't piss you off, but it would piss me off. I'd be like, look, can we just not like each other? I don't need you running around here playing fucking make the connection and oh, don't you have something to talk about with your brother? 
Man, you are we're already assuming the Roman role as we speak. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A method acting. Mm. Uh, security guy pulls Kendall aside into what looks like a washroom. He says Logan asked him to fill uh, Kendall in on the details. Kendall's not super excited about the details, by the way. He uh, does not need the details. This uh, is Colin, really right? Anyway. This is Colin, the bag man, right? Colin. Body okay, man. Name. Yeah, okay. I didn't, okay. I didn't know his name. Uh, a guy explains that the crash was discovered at 4 a.m. by their guys. One of them found a key card, uh, but he knows that guy and he thinks he's secure. Uh, the U.K. sent divers in the next morning and the kid died, but he survived impact and unbuckled his seatbelt. Um, <gasps> yeah, important. Three, I would say three main ways. One is a gut punch to Kendall because he knows the kid suffered. Two um, is it's actually in a strange way very good for Kendall because now you can't verify if he was driving or not. Yeah. And third is it is yet another like absolute tie in to Chappaquiddick because Mary Jo Kopechny survived the crash and and clearly died of uh, dehydration. Uh, asphyxiation. Uh, asphyxiation. Yeah. yeah. Dr- drinking the water. <laughs> That's a way of putting it. That's what they uh, say out in Massachusetts. Yeah. This is the category of things where if I was in Kindle's situation, I know it's helpful for my case, but dear Christ, don't ever tell me that. I, I've got enough guilt already. You don't need to add on to the fact that there's a chance I could have saved him. Yep. Uh, the scene was screwed up by a number of things. Um, their guys, the commotion, the rain, etc. So he expects the UK to just rule it a death by myth- misadventure, which is a thing. I Googled it. Mm-hmm. And that'd be that. So nice and tidy. All good here, Spencer. Yeah. And, you know, he shakes his hand and he's content that his role is done. And Kendall is rocked by all the things he just heard and does not want to interact with anybody else right now. He starts aimlessly walking around. He comes upon Roman and Shib. My favorite scene of the episode. <laughs> this is a brutal scene, and it is awesome. I know. This is like, uh, it's like just remember when, like you're in college and you're sitting around busting balls, or when you're younger. I mean, you don't do it as much when you're older, but when you just start really piling on somebody. I mean, I think you you probably were the person we were piling on, but when mm-hmm. you just like okay, like it's almost like a comedy bit. You're like how. How long can we go on coming up with new insults for this person? That's what happened in this scene. Yeah, yeah. And I was assuming... This is one of the, this is one of the things I loved about the scene, because I was very much in the Kindle role for this, for, for going through college with this. It was just like, everybody's testing to see when they can finally get you to engage. Shall we hit it with sticks and rocks? Which is, yeah. <laughs> Kindle greets them. Uh, great line from Roman here. Dead man walking. The fucking cadaver awakens. <laughs> Roman's on fire this episode. He's got some really great lines. It's like, it, I, I'm, as you said, I'm betting Colkin's getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of room to improv. But at the same time, we've talked before about the writers seem to really love to write for this character, and I have to imagine that during the off season, just in every spare moment, they just kept thinking of new insults they're going to insert in some episode going forward. Oh, it would be so much fun! I would love to write for this character. I mean, you just sit around and just think about the, the most absurd shit you can possibly say to somebody. Yeah. And it, it almost helps you to just to make it uh, make it very much just you know, a spiel, just train of thought going out. Because that's the format it's going to be when you put it out on page. Think about it. It's just like like Mad Libs. Like you just make like here we go. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a fake Roman insult. You ready? Please. Hey, what what are you busy? What are you foot fuck a gypsy under a fucking bridge, you hobo? Boom! There you go. That's Roman. <laughs> that is perfect. That is going to be a season three line if any of the writers is listening right now. Yeah, please come on. Give me a deal. But yeah, that's that. He would be fun to write with because you can just be as absurd as you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman asks Kendall um, if it's real. If Logan is going to sell, Kendall does not know. Roman wants to know why Kendall pulled out. Kendall actually gives him the line. I saw their plan, and Dad's plan is better. 
<laughs> Roman. Mm, okay. Uh, bullshit. What happened? Kindle is really beta here. It's, it's the most beta I've ever seen him with Roman, oh, I think. God, yeah. So then Roman and Shib start the brow beating. You ready for some lines? Please. Tell me uh, where, do tell you, me where do it's you all these down. I wrote all of them down. You want to go back and forth with them? I think you got the script. Otherwise, I'll just do them. Uh, okay, where do we start? Um, you realize how fucked you are going to be when you're no longer any use to him, right? He's got you eating humiliation gumbo on TV. And then what? Uh, then Yeah, Dad's going to play a merry tune on you and then throw you out a fucking window. You know that, right? He's like a sex robot for Dad to fuck. It's like an old beaten dog. Well, he's both of those things and also a piece of shit. You know, he's a pathetic little fucking narcissist who repeatedly puts his own self-interest above everything else and then tries to justify it with half-assed appeals of the rigors of the fucking market. <laughs> what a great... Oh my god, when Shiv and Roman get somebody in their scope, it is a blast. And it just um, keeps going. Yeah, they just keep beating him up. Kendall refuses to fight back. He says he can't get into it. Uh, Roman's pushing him to fight. It's not. He's like, this isn't fun if you're not fighting back, dude. Um, ask him again what happened. Kendall apologizes uh, about the wedding. Ship gets high and mighty here in a way that I think is pretty ridiculous. And she says, how dare you apologize to me? That was the weirdest send-off to this. It's just seeming like she's put off that he offered an honest, well-meant apology to her when what she really wanted was to fight with him. And what we know, because we've been following Kendall, is that Kendall really is sorry about the timing. He did everything in his power to not do it at the wedding. Yeah, I mean... Except fucking tell goddamn... Um, uh, what's it not? It's Frank. Yeah, well, yeah. But it, it, everything Kendall's doing throughout this episode, he doesn't have enough energy to put up pretenses anymore. He is beaten down. As you described his beta, but it's just like every single amount of protection, shield, armor he had has just been stripped from him, and all you've got is the bleeding core of a person. This is legitimate, honest Kendall right now. He really is trying to speak with you in a way that they're not, probably not used to as siblings. And all they can really throw his way is their just usual amount of scorn, because... That's probably how the only way they've really interacted for all of their lives. Yep. Uh, Roman ends this scene. You look like shit, by the way. He walks off. <laughs> he, in, he usually ends small. This is the way Roman does this. He's going through a long spiel beforehand. He just kind of has a throw-off line to exit with. Uh, back inside, Marsha tells Logan they found the source of the smell. They go to check it out. Marsha asks if the selling is actually real. Logan says he doesn't know and asks what she thinks. Marsha, what? I have to dance for daddy too? <laughs> <laughs> Marsha knows what this game is. Uh, Logan says he's been given strong advice to sell and then confides, what if I don't know what I think? And Marsha flares with anger at that. Maybe you should sell. You're old. You've not been well. Logan, oh, okay, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got your opinion now. <laughs> um, some guys are working on something in the chimney and it falls out. And it looks like rotting animals to me. But it's clearly, what, maggots on it? It is not pretty. I guessed it was either like a badger or a raccoon. It's vaguely that shape, but this thing's been rotting a while. Which, I mean, they're not there, so God knows when that was put in the um, the chimney. Yeah, animals fall in chimneys. Had that growing up. It's this thing that happens, but this one looked like it was really sealed up in there. That Well, it was wrapped in plastic. That's an issue that doesn't happen normally. Yeah, so that's my... That, when I watched it, I was like... The first time I watched it, I thought what you thought. Like, oh, that's unfortunate. Some animal got in there. But then when you rewatch it, it's the animal clearly is wrapped in a big bundle of plastic. Right. Because they're having to work real hard to knock out whatever has sealed this thing in there. And, well, normally speaking, raccoons don't wrap themselves in plastic before they throw themselves down your chimney. That's not a natural course of events. Logan screams that he needs to see that contractor. Bellows that they are starting, but he doesn't want all the food that was prepared. It sat around in the stink. 
pizza. We'll have pizza. Uh, I love that Logan just likes normal junk food. We we got this in the scene. <laughs> we did last. burgers, fries. Yeah, he did burgers and fries with Kendall. Uh, Spencer, what do you think about Logan not eating the food that was out when the house snuck? What do I think about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, does that strike you as reasonable? Uh, no, I mean, not really. I mean, it's just... I mean, actually, let's just let's think about this. Is there any risk really of contamination just from the odors being in the air? I mean, problem. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I mean, you're breathing the air, so like... If there was risk of contamination, I mean, you would have gotten it just from breathing. No, but I mean, this is this seems to me like a decision by, by Logan that's not really informed by the food is now bad. It's more I'm pissed and I want to throw things out and do things I want now. I'm so, not in the mood to put on pretenses anymore. The first time we watched this together, my wife immediately barked and said, "Yep, I'd get rid of that food too. That's gross." And I thought, "What?" Like, no, it, it struck me as weird. Yeah, but she was adamant that she thought that would that was just. Uh, Logan was spot on there. He needed to get rid of that food. Maybe informing my decision that I don't want to throw away how many thousands of dollars of food that probably was they just tossed in the trash. Yeah. Well, and also, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> we can talk about that. Kendall's cheap. outside. He's, yeah, he's smoking and he sees everybody throwing the food away. Is there, I mean, is Martha Vineyard so fucking rich there's not a food pantry somewhere? Like, I got to imagine that there is. There's no soup kitchen? There's no nothing? <laughs> it is all fresh, already pre-cooked food, so there is a limited shelf life. But yeah, you'd think they'd have some available option, but not one that this family would ever consider. Well, you'd think the help might want it. Yeah, but they've got instructions. And if you, can you imagine what, Kendall, what uh, Logan would do to any of them if he saw that they were taking food that he had ordered thrown away? Oh, yeah. That'd be bad. They'd be stuffed up a damn chimney. <laughs> um... So at the dining room table, Logan is at the head with some very mediocre looking pizza on the table. Which is very awkwardly arrayed right there. In the, it's, it's like they felt the need to, even though it's pizza they just ordered, to arrange it as carefully and perfectly as possible in the middle of the table. Yeah, on like thousand dollar crystal and silver dishes. Like it's, it's preposterous. Um, which apparently Logan agrees, agrees with too. Because the look that he's, look, the look that's on his face as he's looking over this pizza is just straight disdain. Yeah, Logan would be cool with just bring the bring the bring the box out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll take a slice. Um, Logan says he wants to discuss the bear hug. "Quote: Obviously, I have an obligation to the shareholders." Ha ha. <laughs> I love that he feels the need to actually say ha ha. I know, but it makes me so angry because, like, everybody goes, like. I think most people when they're watching this, they're thinking shareholders. Okay, other rich people. No, there's no. a lot of people with like like 401ks with money tied up in this company. And he does have a responsibility to the general public to do what's in the best interest of the company. Yeah, he has serious legal duties. He's a fiduciary. He has a lot of responsibilities to these people. And to him, that, no, that is... Call. <laughs> to him, that is summarized as ha ha. God, calling people douches is mean. Um... Sure. Says, see, see what I did there with the joke with the wordplay? I, I did, yeah, I got it. I'm disapproving of it. <laughs> okay, noted. Offense taken. Uh, <laughs> says Kendall's rollback may have hurt the bit. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Uh, but the question is, do we want to fight? Or is now the time to cash out and fuck out of the casino? Um, says that if they do fight, he'll have to name a successor. Says he wants them to speak freely, which Shib laughs at, which I'd probably laugh at too. Marsha mm-hmm. asks why she's laughing. Shib indicates... Whatever she says might be used against her. Um, Logan again asks for honest feedback. Kendall jumps in. He says he thinks he should fight, but 
you know, Logan, you built it, so it's your call. Roman, oh, that is adorable. You're always looking out for pops, aren't you? Right. Um, Connor says he doesn't know if they can trust anything Kendall says. Kendall says, nice to see you, Con. <laughs> Wait, he, Roman, he seems to think ahead. that Kendall's still a double agent kind of thing. Is that his theory? Yeah. He, well, Connor's always a little slow. A little, yeah. little slow. A little paranoid, too. Uh, great Roman line here. Should we frisk him for a wire? Burn him. See if he's a witch. I like that. Earth that one down. Logan, he has taken his medicine. Ship takes umbrage with that and mentions that Logan once beat Roman with a slipper until he cried for ordering lobster. <laughs> Which apparently, according to Roman as he walks away, was because it's impolite to order the most expensive item on the menu when you're not paying. Yo, real talk. When I was a kid, we had that rule. Oh, I totally. I had that rule growing up. I'm just amazed they've got that rule in this family. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess that's just Logan's way of trying to keep him like, you know, grounded, although that clearly worked. Right, given that my parents are listeners, I'll also clarify, my rule and didn't my family's rule did not involve me getting beaten with a slipper if I violated it. That seems to be unique to this family. Yeah, I was about to say, I didn't know you were just getting beaten with shoes, Spencer. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, my family was like that. My dad would my dad probably would have hit me with a slipper if I had ordered lobster and somebody else was paying. That, that's no that's no joke. Well um, unlike Roman, you had the good sense not to do it. I think I got hit once when I was like four and I just ordered fucking chicken tenders ever since. Mm. Uh, Logan says they aren't doing memory lane again. Ask uh, what they think stick or sell. Tom says he thinks Logan should stick. Oh, great moment here. Love this interaction. Wyla want me to go. I mean, selling seems cool. Roman. Hey dad, Wyla thinks selling seems cool. (laughs) (laughs) I was almost hoping for a second that, uh, Logan would acknowledge her and say, okay, excuse, after Tom said, he said, okay, that's one. And I was hoping he would say after a while, it was just a long pause. Okay, that's two. Oh, no, he doesn't give her that. I mean, she, <laughs> she, she misread that room if she thought she was supposed to go. Yeah, I'm amazed she's even in the room for this conversation. Connor does whisper to, <laughs> to Roman, asshole. Yeah. Uh, she makes the point that they aren't really in a comfortable atmosphere for feedback, which is totally fair. Um, Logan points out that Kodak was selling at a hundred dollars a share in 1997 and now you can get it for about three bucks and that could be them i like that kodak is always the sort of like it is the perfect meteoric rise and epic fall kind of company of just a clear demonstration of how the times can change and undermine you that one is particularly depressing because kodak was like in like a city like the whole thing was in a city Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've heard this actually no this is actually news to me i was just going on how to be polite tell me about this well, I, I, I didn't research this. I didn't plan on telling the story. But like, my understanding is that Kodak was based in a, a pretty small town, I think maybe in Pennsylvania or something. Mm-hmm. You can quick draw Google over there. You can probably figure it out. But when Kodak just completely shit the bed when smartphones came out and the internet and all that, there's basically a like an old Kodak ghost town that all all but like closed up shop because Kodak got so screwed up. So it's not like a normal sort of like, okay, um, you know, Target you know, kind of screwed, like Target gets screwed up, right? Or Applebee's or something. The storefront's closed. But this, it was like an entire city closed. Their headquarters was in, yes, relatively mid-sized town, Rochester, New York. There you go. There you go. Rochester, New York. City of 280,000 people for what was one of the largest companies in the United States. That is interesting. Yeah, and you can imagine what happened. Um, it all went to shit. Uh, but anyway, that's, the, that's, that's neither here nor there. Logan then says if they cash out, they could walk away with $10 billion. Spencer, is this more or less than you thought the family would get from this deal? You know, honestly, it's a little bit less. 
I actually thought it was a little bit a little bit more than that, but it just made me an unrealistic expectation of how much their stock can reasonably sell for in this circumstance. It did me too. I mean, when you're talking about Logan already having a $200 million estate that he only stays in like a couple months a year, 10 million split among the whole family to me just seems a little low. Billion. 10 million, billion, yeah, yeah. But it does strike me as low, particularly since, yeah, as you said, it's going to be divided up between them. I mean, it, it is significantly less than I thought given that they're being framed as what, the third largest multimedia company in the world. Yep. So uh, Roman asked, Logan asked Roman his opinion. Um, <laughs> love Roman. I do fucking love money, but I'm really scared of you. So Roman then says real douchebag moment here. He's not put ketchup on his burrito, but he's, he's got some questionable condiments out. He says he is not willing to give his opinion in an open forum because he might be a player uh, in future deals. Um, Logan oh. thinks this is just as douchey as we all do. He gets up from the table, doesn't say a word. Roman and Shib follow. Logan has gone to the study and asked for them to come in one by one. Roman walks in. Shocked nobody snagged a slice of pizza yet. Yeah. Yeah, I would be eating this thing all. I mean, if oh, either I or... You'd be three fucking slices in. Oh, yeah. I'd have one in each hand as I'm talking with him. I'd be full grigging the situation if that was what was available in front of me. I, oh, that's a good call. Shout out. Cousin Greg would have gone in on the pizza right away. Without any delay. Just, you know, have several in his mouth before even ponder that it might be inappropriate. <laughs> uh, so Logan uh, is in the study with Roman and he says, uh, now that there is no one here to hear your wonderful insights, what do you say? <laughs> Roman then gives his pitch. It's called financialization. Do you know what this is? No, I do not know what this is. Did you look it up? I didn't. Uh, best I can tell um, is what he's saying is let's get as liquid as possible and do quick short term deals for, you know, you know, decent returns. This, if he really thinks he can persuade his father to go with this plan, he is a fucking moron. Because that I don't, I can't think of anything that would be less Logan than that. It's it's and it's actually a dumb idea too because it's there's so much risk in it because it would rely on a very high success rate mm -hmm. with these deals. Um, it's just Roman is just an idiot. <laughs> he just says I like the guy, but he's a fucking moron. Um, highly liquid, just making a bunch of deals from on high. Logan asked about Sandy and Stewie. Oh, fuck them. Scare them off. Logan kind of cocks his head. Uh, what? And yeah, you just kind of try to explain it. But we use the lawyers, PIs, honey trap hookers, and all the unpleasant people at our disposal. Oh, you missed the best part when he said his first reaction was, as in Scooby-Doo it. Dress oh, up like right, ghost yeah. in the theme park. <laughs> Logan's like, Logan gives him a look like he is... Very genuinely, like no pretense, very, very disappointed in his son. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that look, which even Roman has enough sense to recognize. He just giving examples that he can think of off the fly. Yeah, we Roman follows up that they should use all their resources to kill, kill, kill. Mm-hmm. Including the fucking President Raisin, which I like that, that the family just universally refers to the President of the United States as that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, outside, Tom asks Shib what's going on in there. He has a great, like, great Tom line here. Uh, this is like playing fucking Jim, Jim Rummy with Zeus. That's a great <laughs> line. That's a wonderful line. Yeah, very good. Tom has some has some doozies from time to time. Mm -hmm. Shib says she doesn't buy the selling. She thinks it's a test. Whoever sells Solomon not to asset strip the baby gets to keep the baby. <laughs> These guys are on fire this episode in terms of the line. Is this a biblical reference, Spencer? Uh, this is Solomon and dividing up the baby, yeah. 
Oh, I don't know. What, I don't know anything about the Bible. Um, King, King Solomon, two, two women are fighting over whose baby it is. He offers to cut the baby in half and give them each one half. And the first one that says, no, 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 let her have it. Keep the baby alive. That's the real mom. Hey, that's, that might be a pretty good book. That sounds like a good story. Um, <laughs> it has persisted through the ages, yes. Tom says he wants to use the opportunity to get out of parks, into media maybe. Uh, remember that. Tom is telling Shib he wants out of parks, doesn't like parks, wants into media. I presume he wants to get out of the, anything affiliated with the cruise industry, too. Well, there's that. He then floats the idea of him wearing the big trousers, and Shib can't contain uh, a condescending smile. Of course. Yeah, Tom, sure. Yeah, that's going to be the answer here. You're the consensus candidate that's going to bring us all together. Good, mm-hmm. good, good work. Uh, Roman comes out. <laughs> Great line here. He's dying, riddled with cancer. Shib actually kind of panics for a second. Rome, what? Dad's got cancer. What's not funny about that? <laughs> dude, what a... Fu- Spencer, what a wild ride it would be if this guy was your brother. Oh, dear Christ. I would need you. I, I can understand why... There's many reasons why all these people are in therapy, but if he was my brother, he would be a contributing factor. Yeah, and like, I I actually would like him to be your brother the most. Oh, I could just I could just see you just constantly shaking your head and grumbling. Like, that's not... <laughs> Again, if you want me to go full Connor and just live in the desert... Have me related to that guy. <laughs> Connor calls him a sick puppy. Nice reference, bro. Mm. Um, Connor calls for Shib. Uh, or Logan calls for Shib. Shib, dentist is ready. <laughs> I love that line, actually. Did you catch that when she's going in, things slow down a little and some weird music plays? Yeah. That was yeah, a little foreshadowing. This is actually going to be a big conversation. <laughs> Everyone pay attention now. Yep. Shib comes in angry. Wants to know if he's done a deal with Kendall. Logan asks for her opinion. She says they need to IBM it. Spencer, do you know what that reference is? Uh, you know, I could fake something, but no, I really don't. Yeah, so basically IBM uh, figured out that, or at least they thought, that they were not they were not long for the actual personal computing world. That there was just too many competitors. It was getting so cheap to make these machines. And they, International Business Machine, name of the company, mm-hmm. completely got out of actually making hardware now they are completely a business intelligence and analytics and uh, consulting and blah 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 company but it's not they're not they don't actually make international business machines anymore and i think what she's saying is we are a media company but we need to get the fuck out of media because media is the internet's killing it mm-hmm. so you, you ibm it uh, and then she says she hasn't really thought about it, but then proceeds to, to bloviate. Says she should shutter the businesses that bleed cash. Apparently they make video consoles and indie films. That's weird. <laughs> she references the telecom shuttle that blew up. Nice little dig at Roman. I like that. Uh, says they need to expand parks and cruises, lose news, paper, and TV. Says news is in trouble. They don't need the headache. Says open 10 new parks. So here's here's the interesting part. Is <laughs> Tom is over parks. He thinks it's like the also ran. It's the bad beat. Shib, I think astutely is saying that's really our only thing that's in the green consistently. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe ATN, but that comes with all of its issues. Yeah. And let's write this down too. That she just, that he wants out of parks. She just recommended expanding it. And she also recommended getting rid of news. Let's keep this in mind when she goes back to talk to Tom. Yep. Very funny. Um, Logan then cracks, well, but you haven't really thought about it. Chip says, well, those are just the obvious moves. Mm. Big pivot, big moment here. Season two, episode one. Logan says, obviously, he's always wanted one of his kids to take over. Are you interested in it? She dismisses it, brings up Tom. Uh, Logan sighs at the idea of Tom. Logan then again asks if she's interested. She says, um, 
He says if they keep going, he, if he keeps going, he has to name Kendall. And that uh, sets her off. <laughs> she explodes at this, threatens to join Sandy and Stewie, get Gilda, attack Logan. Anything she can. She's mad dog at the idea that Kendall could possibly uh, actually, you know, get, get the back position, in. given what he's done. Yeah. Logan says, why so angry? I haven't done a deal with Kendall. I do what I want. Goes on to say that he wants to ask her to come into the company and be the next chief executive. Shib, I don't think I'm the right person. Logan, well, you know, I'm pretty smart and I think you are. Tells her she's the one. She wants to know if they're actually having the conversation. This is her mantra during this. She's like, is this real? Are we really having this conversation? Is this real? Mm -hmm. Logan assures her they're having that conversation. It's real. He says, look, it can't be Roman. It can't be Connor. <laughs> it might as well sell. Mm -hmm. uh, and he didn't build it all up to bring in somebody from the outside. Mm -hmm. Says if she's not willing to come in and be the successor, he'll sell. Fuck it. Um, she doesn't like the pressure, which is fair. Uh, and pushes back. So he gets up and says, he'll do it right now. And he goes quote, and grabs his phone. <laughs> quote, I'll tweet. The markets will move. And that'll be that. Yeah. Hey, BJ. Uh, our, our good friend BJ that we do multiple pods with, uh, who's running for town council in San Diego, doesn't think like things to get political. I'm going to need you to skip ahead for 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. Starting now. So, come on. This is a line from Trump, right? Totally. Absolutely. absolutely. I'll tweet the markets will move and that'll be that? <laughs> yes. So fucking on the nose. It's hilarious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, she calls bullshit and keeps going. Um, uh, he, he, he Logan keeps going. Try, I, I guess he has like the Twitter app on his phone. I'm not sure how that works. I, I do, I'm not fully content. He knows how to use his phone, and that just makes this even more obviously a bluff. Though it apparently works on Shiv right now. Yeah, she finally takes the phone from his hands and tells him that she'd like to do it. And then Spencer, that old Shibroy confidence comes shining right through. Why did you never ask me? I kill this. I'd fucking destroy it. <laughs> Uh, Logan says this is wonderful tells her to remember the moment the slant of light remember the moment she says they'll need to talk about it that they should keep it between them Logan says they'll need to get her up to speed fast to track her okay now let's have the conversation yeah so do you think Logan is being genuine here is this a real ask of ship this is him playing with dog playing with who with uh, his treating his children like various dogs fighting each other this is his idea of raising children is to find various new ways to put them in new situations that they can pit them against each other and see what happens I have no real just even concept that he is in any way actually committing to this right now he is doing this because it in some way benefits his interests He's doing it because it may just seem interesting to him. It may be fun in this moment. But Shiv is an idiot if she thinks this is in any way either a guarantee now to even happen, or even if it does happen, that it's in any way long term. I agree. I think what this is, is Logan opening the door to it. I think he, I think he is open to the idea of Shiv actually taking over. But there's a lot to do before he actually pulls the trigger on that. And she seems to think this is just done now. Right. I, I very much believe him when he says he wants to keep this in the family. I think that's fundamentally true. But which of his children he's going with, he's in no way decided on this or committed to any one of them. Nor does he feel like he needs to be obliged to do so. So I agree with you. Shiv is an absolute fool if she thinks that this is a done sold deal. Yeah, the betting lines here, I think you have to, after this conversation, you've got to put Shib probably at even money. Uh, with who? To, uh, even money. So it's you, you bet a dollar to win a dollar. Okay. Um, I, I would put Kendall at plus 150. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I'd put Roman at plus 800 and Connor at plus 7,000. Okay. Uh, and outside bet for Greg? Minus 330. God damn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to go with your betting odds in the future. Uh, no, I don't. I think I don't think Roman. I don't think uh, Greg is on the board yet. I think right now you have to make Shib the favorite, but I don't think she's any better than even money because, like we talked about, this is Logan. He's not just going to give it to her. He's going to make her earn it. Yeah, and as much as they like to say that you know she's his favorite, whenever else, he still seems to favor Kendall for a lot of this. Yep. Outside, Connor is upset about some update he's gotten on his phone. Says it's his dealer, Rome Viagra. <laughs> Connor Antiquities. Says he's bidding on a bundle of goods from the Napoleonic era. Uh, or I guess from, I guess, of Napoleon or something. Yeah. Uh, Wireless speaks up and says, including Napoleon's penis. Now I put the, I let the cat out of the bag with this one uh, with you and talked about the fact that Connor tries to buy Napoleon's penis. It is possibly the most Connor move ever. It's, it's just perfect writing for this character. Did you know that Napoleon's penis is actually a collector's item that's out there in the world? I do indeed. Do you know where yes. it is right now? Isn't it in some private private person have it, right? It's a private owner in New Jersey, and I actually watched the BBC episode where they went to go see it. Oh, can you? did they show it? No, they didn't. They, they, it's a, it's, I hate to use this reference, but it's a real cock tease of where they take you to the box, and they open the box, Ooh, and they cut away. I like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I read about it. Apparently, uh, they what they say is some coroner uh, who was preparing his body for burial snipped his penis off and saved it. Apparently snipped off a lot of his organs to save in various jars for, I guess, later memorabilia use. That's, that's one way to make a buck. Um, Connor says, that's not the central item. Uh, Tom rightfully gets a massive kick out of this. Mm-hmm. Roman comes over and he's <laughs> just laughing. Connor's trying to buy Napoleon's dick. <laughs> Roman, great reaction here. Hmm, naturally. Is it pickled in a jar? <laughs> it's dried. Wyla posits that it might look like beef jerky. Apparently, uh, according to official accounts, it kind of does. Well, I mean, I imagine if it's just a dried penis, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just going to look like a just a strip of nothing. Like Probably, leather. yeah. Um so how rich do you have to be before you bid in on that i i should have looked at this aspect i don't know what the last buyer paid for it i can't i would picture it having a limited market i can't imagine there's too much of a, you know a bidding war happening at the auction but then again the world is big and multinational and weird michael bloomberg if you're listening uh, first off, uh, you very much can advertise on this podcast. I know that you, uh, you've got quite a mark, you quite a budget for said advertising. So we are down. Mm-hmm. Um, also, with your fifty billion dollars, don't run for president. Buy shit like this. It's so much more interesting. <laughs> Please welcome to my home. Here is my wall of dictators' genitalia. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Roman. What are you going to do? Uh, get Hitler's nutsack and blend it into a takeover Europe smoothie. <laughs> Great line there. Uh, Shib walks out, says Logan offered to the company. Uh, the same joke that, that Roman did, although it seems like he did. No one believes it. She tells Tom she used some leverage to get him chair of broadcast news overseeing ATN. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The thing that she does not value is where she's going to stick Tom. The thing that she intends to cut. She is the worst. She's the absolute worst. She's terrible. She's fucking <laughs> terrible. And he's so excited. Uh, he references someone named Sid Peach. 
Um, he already had that role. That will come up in the next episode. Ship says, no, it's all good. Uh, you know, basically, like, you know, two people, one chair. Dad likes that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan goes outside to meet this contractor. He is all fired up. Oh, yes, he is. Says, I see you. Accuses him of padding some of the charges on the recent repairs to his stables. Uh, the guy says, it's a time and materials contract. Not a good defense. Mm. Time and materials contracts simply mean uh, you bill any time that you 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 contribute to an effort yeah um on the agreed upon scope of the project and you pass through any materials with maybe some indirect loads or something to cover your administrative cost it's absolutely the easiest contract to pad yeah it is like saying it's a time and materials contract when somebody accuses you of padding it is like that's again like like that would that's just a, a terrible that's like the definition of the contract type that you can pad yeah it's it's like saying you padded the you, you you padded your bills it's like no 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 i didn't we signed a contract that's built on padding that's yeah very creative defense so logan did what any good contract administrator does and he capped the total and he said okay you can build time and materials but i'm capping this at two hundred thousand. guy didn't like it so he stuffed a bag of raccoons in his chimney this is what logan is is positing uh, the guy finally gets quiet and says, no, sir, I don't know about that. Logan says, how about this? I'll pay you $100,000 and we're done. Guy says, that doesn't even cover the materials, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. He says it was a $300,000 job. Logan, yeah, well, sue me. Good luck. My lawyer used to work for the Justice Department. Who's your lawyer? Mr. Fucking Magoo. Now, Spencer, do mm. you believe that this contractor stuffed raccoons into one Logan Roy's chimney? Well, somebody did it. And he's got, you know, the motive to do it. And based on his reaction when Logan confronts him with it, yeah, he did it. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, I thought you were going to talk longer. No, no, sorry. It's, it's one of the things where I could debate it out. But they've given every little bit of evidence they've given me indicates that he's the only culprit that's been given as an option. So I'm going to, a little behind the scenes here for people who are listening. So this is our three drink minimum podcast. We do this usually on Thursday nights. Um, I usually have a drink or two with me, but I do the recap. And so in order for me to take a drink, I've got to cue Spencer up <laughs> and let him go. So what just happened there is I threw it to Spencer. I thought he was going to go a minute or two. I gave you a shot he, time right he there. me. He gave me like two two lines and I was like furiously trying to get my drink down and get the microphone microphone off mute. So that's what that break was. That was me trying to slip slip a drink in. If you guys ever also ever wonder why I sound increasingly slurred as we get through this, it's because I'm not doing the recap. And so I'm just drinking throughout this. (laughs) Yeah. We need some sort of like code word or something. Maybe I'll Skype you like, hey man, can you talk a minute? (laughs) We have phones. I've got my cell phone in my hands. It'd be a text. Yeah, I should have done that. Uh, <laughs> Logan tells them that they are going to fight. Them mean the family. They're back at the dinner table. <clears throat> he says, we're going to be the number one media conglomerate in the world. He actually references the conversation he had with Jamie, where Jamie says maybe like one or two will survive. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, it's going to be us. We're going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan then explains, big news here, that Kendall is coming back as co-chief uh, operating officers. Roman is not happy to hear this. No, he says, uh, what are you really? And he says, yes, that Logan says, yes, that's my, uh, that's my decision. And Roman says, well, that's bullshit. And then immediately backs off of it as Roman does. Mm-hmm. He then says he'll named a stuffed shirt successor in the short term. Like Jerry. Sure. Maybe it's Jerry. Jerry says, thank you. Logan, it won't be Jerry. Just so we're clear. Jerry. Yeah, we're clear. Got it. 
Do you, I know. It's not going to be me. Do you think Jerry, for his, Jerry almost in her tone of voice, sounded a little bit proud and thankful for like a half second? Like, just in spite of herself, she's like, oh, well, that's nice. And like, no, no, it isn't. Well, I, and I still think she thinks it's nice. Because uh, I think what she, I think she interprets this as Logan saying, that's somebody I trust because yeah. I can name her and I know she's not going to go off the rails. She's not going to fuck me with the shareholders. She's going to toe the line and let me do this here. It, not, so I think it's just a, a show of, uh, of faith in her. Yeah, very much that. It's also a, a, a demonstration that the public at large has faith in her. She, she's not only a choice that he can trust, he's a choice. she's a choice that he knows everyone will accept as, well, yeah, she'd naturally be a good fit for the role. So that it's quite a compliment that he would say that you'll 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 do it even if it's purely meant to be a facade. Yeah, I agree. I do think it's an actual compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, she's not going to take over the company, but it does show that like she is. I mean, of course, she's even there with the damn family retreat. I mean, she is in the inner circle as much as you can be. The, th- the thing I just love about Logan is that he can give somebody a compliment that you can interpret, but to your face, he's going to say no, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, don't feel too good about that. You know, well, you know what? Some offense taken. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kendall and Logan are going to meet with Stewie and Sandy. Uh, no, no, no. Before that's over, Logan has a great line. He says that him and Kendall need to go stuff some raccoon up some guy's chimney. Um, I, when they cut to ahead. a helicopter, I legitimately thought they were going to drop raccoons down the guy's chimney. You thought that? I, it's like the next scene is then suddenly a helicopter's flying through the night. I'm like, oh my God, are they going to do that in the middle of the night? I oh no, I, I didn't think they were really going to do that. <laughs> Although that'd be a, like a fun little buddy cop thing with the two of them trying to... Kind of trying to stuff something up some guy's chimney. No, they're in, in, in what they're doing is they're going back to New York to meet with Kendall uh, or sorry, uh, Sandy and Stewie. Right. The metaphorical and stuffing raccoons down some, somebody's chimney. So Logan sends Kendall in first, um, which Stewie immediately like was like, that's a, like an eighties old guy power move. Like mm. what the hell is this? Uh, Stewie wants to know what happened. Uh, he keeps telling Kendall, like you, you can tell me he even says there's a friend card here. If you want to play it, I'm a human in front of you. You can tell me, um, Kendall toes the party line. He says, I saw your plan. My dad's line is better. Great quote here uh, from Stewie. Fuck you, you little pusillanimous piece of fucking fool's gold, you fucking silver spooned fucking asshole. If it Woo! Were, if, we were, if we weren't just doing Roman lines of the episode, I'd pick that as line of the episode. Other than what's going to come from Kendall on behalf of his father, here's son. Yeah, Logan calls Kendall. Uh, he says he's not coming in and apparently delivers the message. Kendall walks in to speak with Sandy. Kendall, you know, just pleasantries out of the way. He says, look, is there any way that we can make you happy, Sandy, with dad still in control? And Stewie says, no, all right, we want it all. <coughs> Sorry. Kendall says that uh, Logan will pretend to think about the offer, um, but he will fight to his last breath. Spencer, do you have the line here from Kendall? I've got the entire thing. So if you'd like to just take a triple shot right now, you've got time. Woo. All right. All right. So you'll never recommend this to the board. You're going to bleed cash. He's going to bleed cash. It'll never end. And maybe you'll kill him. But if you don't, he aims to kill you. He will go bankrupt or go to jail before he lets you beat him. He will kill you on the business. And if that doesn't work, he will send people around. He will send people to kill your pets and fuck your wives. And it will never be over. So that's the message. And then Sandy has just what is a perfect response to this which just really sets up that sandy is the one who actually knows logan who actually has a reasonable business sense for what's going to happen who has planned this with the expectation this is the inevitable conclusion because this response is so delightfully professionally blasé it's just well let's move ahead with that process shall we and cut (laughs) 
Okay, and that's the end of the episode. We're done. Season two, episode one. What did you think of the episode, Spencer? I thought this was a very strong episode for a different kind of way than the last few episodes have been. I mean, we have not really seen Logan at the top of his game in a while. We've not seen Logan on anything other than his back foot or recovering since, like, episode one. And so seeing him in prime form, seeing him manipulating all of those around him, playing his children against them, legitimately threatening people with the power to back up the threat, is just, it's... We've not really had an opportunity to get this from Logan before, to see why he's so widely respected and feared. And seeing it now, front, just right before us, seeing what's probably going to be the driving forces from the season and what effect it's going to have on his children, family, and the world around is just fascinating. This was a really interesting episode to get us a different perspective on how Logan got to where he is and what power he can still wield even in a dying industry and other factors at play. Yeah. I agree with all of that. Um, it was a tour de force from Logan. Um, and it sets up for a great, uh, great season because, you know, you still have that tension, that carryover from season one of this potential hostile takeover. And as long as that's still looming, I think you're always going to have a very weird dynamic with Kendall. Maybe not with Logan. Logan seems to be past it, but definitely Kendall and the rest of the siblings. One of the things it does, though, is it also changes the focus. I mean, would you agree with me that as much as this is an ensemble cast, that Kendall was kind of the main character of season one? Yes. That doesn't seem like it's as much as much true now, at least for this first episode. That it's much more evenly divided up between the roles, given how muted he's been forced to be by being neutered by his father. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's. I, it's interesting. I'll be interested to hear how... So your, your assessment of season one, I think, is correct. That Kendall... I mean, obviously, I think Logan is the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, for the primary focus, what drove the plot was Kendall. Very much so. Um, so it would be interesting to see what you think of the rest of season well, two through that lens. I mean, it's one of the things of where he's just so fully under Logan's control now that he is at his beck and call. He is utterly browbeaten by him. I'll be curious to see where they go with that. Because it's either going to be him going even lower, him collapsing in that kind of tragic journey away from where he once was, or there's going to be some kind of revitalization moment that happens. Like, you know, he goes through, he has to endure all this, but eventually he finds some way out or some way at revenge or something along those lines. But I don't really know where they're going to go with it. The show always keeps me guessing. But I can't imagine we're done with Kendall as a character. I can't imagine they're going to leave him in this state forever. He's either going to get out or get back in some shape or form. But we got a long way before that's going to happen. And I don't think it's going to be without his dad kicking and screaming. We shall see, Spencer. Do you ready to get some segments? Let's get some segments in. All right, Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. I'm just going to focus on one scene right here. We, we can talk about the relationship between Logan and his dad, and it's fascinating to go through everything else, but I think we've really built this segment a lot around Shiv and Tom, so let's just continue to work off that. When your significant other takes the time to tell you about what their hopes and dreams are, and you have an opportunity to directly influence whether those are actually possible, bring about those in a way that no one else really can, and instead, you go in and meet with the person who can make this happen, and directly, pointedly undermine that. (laughs) You do the exact opposite of what they want. You throw them completely under the bus and and give them hopes and dreams of getting a position in an industry that you intend to kill. You're a horrible person that should not be in a relationship with anyone. And she does this with a smile on her face. She's so proud of herself that she just took a person that she, rather than viewing as an equal partner, she purely views as just a cog in her plans and just flushed him down the toilet. 
Even more so because you brought him up to think that this is a great thing that you've done for him and are apparently going to keep this hidden like so many other secrets that she's built over the years for who Ooh, knows how long. Snap. For who knows how long going forward. I can't imagine that she's going to reveal to him, assuming she gets the job at CEO, that she intends to entirely cull his market until like a day and a half before it happens. The board will know long before he does that this asset's going to be chunked. So, yeah. This episode just gives us further evidence that Shiv is a horrible person and her relationship with Tom just continues to find new ways of giving us hopes and crushing them one episode to the next. So, uh, I can summarize that. Please um, do. Fucking, if you see Shiv, run the other way. Yeah, unless, you know, she's a billionaire and can have people kill you if you do, which she may be if her hopes and dreams come about. I mean, but... Based on where they currently are situated, I agree with you as to what the odds are. That Kendall is in a diminished state, and it would appear weird for him to be named as uh, named as a successor now, given what he's been through and the family revolt about it. So, Shiv's in a good position. She's smart, not as smart as she thinks she is. She's got experience, none that's actually practically relevant to this field. And bringing her back in now has a certain appeal to it. So, maybe she does have a chance of getting this. In which case... God help everyone around her. And that leads us to Roman line of the episode. Now, you have a couple um, written down, you said, that you have some notes on Roman line of the episode. I've got a couple. Uh, a couple of them were long, and a couple of them are just freaking weird. I don't, I don't really, We already referenced the ones with various lines he says to Shiv that are just strange, like, hey, what up, sex pot? Let's not even put those in the running, because they're weird. Uh, how, how about, so you're saying that's not something you would say to your sister? I can say with full honesty and just going through all of my memories up through this moment that that has never been said. I have never said that to my sister. Okay, good. Just clarify. Just yeah. making sure. Glad we've been able to confirm that on the record. Let's pick what actual <laughs> quotes to go with here. Uh, ah, how the mighty have fallen. He was king once. Now look at him. Eating shit with feet of clay. A fucking neutered hound dog. Uh, and then, you know, Jerry said, I think he did okay. Oh, yes, he did great. He did great. He did just fine. But Jesus, Elvis on the fucking toilet. Like... He doesn't come back from this, right? Like, he walked around the New York Stock Exchange with a severed dick in his hand asking where, where it was good for free soup. He ate the fucking big dog dick. Sucked the pooch bone dry. That is a tour de force right there. <laughs> that is a great Roman line of the episode. Do you have any others that you would yeah. like to nominate? Uh, yeah, I also like, man, I'm worried slash... Like, yeah, I like he even says, I'm worried slash excited. He says the slash that he actually kills Kendall. Man, it would be so weird if he killed him. I, just That line tickled me. Uh, dead man walking, the fucking cadaver awakens, and then the last one, should we frisk him for a wire? Burn him? See if he's a witch? All great lines. Yep, very good line. Um, so I'm gonna pick a Roman line of the episode here. You're probably gonna disagree with it. Oh. Um, but increasingly I like to do the Roman lines of the episode, which not, you know, aren't just funny, but also have some material reference to the plot. Mm-hmm. So, season two, episode one. Roman line of the episode, dead man walking, the fucking cadaver awakens. It's a good line. It is a good line, and it leads into a very good scene between them. Yeah, and it's also a good explanation of kind of what's going on in this episode. Mm -hmm. That, like, at least I thought at the end of season one, I thought we would, Kendall would be on the bench for six episodes. And he is back in the thick of it right away, which I find very interesting. Yeah, and looking and acting like a walking corpse. This is a guy that is practically speaking suffering from some variety of stress shock and he's just expected to continue on as if nothing happened 
Yeah. All right. Well, that is Roman line of the episode. We hit our final segment of the episode, which is Roy of the episode. This one, I think, is going to be contentious. Really? I'm going to be surprised if you don't go with my choice on this one. Okay. What is your choice? Uh, Logan. Interesting. So you would not say Shib, who has now been told she's going to run the company, nope. is in contention for like Roy of the episode? No. Nope. When she... is she ever going to win it? <laughs> if she actually gets the job, and preferably speaking, she gets the job and Logan's dead. Because up until that point, he's still holding all the cards and he can play them as he will, and you are just in his hands. So I'm arguing the other side here. I agree with you. It is Roy of the episode. Clearly, 100% Logan Roy. I also would make... This is a hot take situation here, Spencer. I might say that Kendall had a better episode than Shiv. Kendall, I would very much agree with you there. That Shiv is... In many ways, she's hurt because she is being misled, or apparently, or just plain wrong, about what happened then. About what she's actually been given. She's been given at best a potential. She thinks it's actually something that's in her hand. Whereas Kendall... Kendall went into this with no expectations as to what he what he would gain out of this episode, what his even position was. Where instead of just being, you know, left in exile at, you know, Connor's place or somewhere else in the world, instead he's being brought back in as COO. He's been trusted to go out and speak publicly for the company, which A, is good for the company, but B, also gives him face time again. So people are seeing him as being a key face of the company once more. He's being directly brought back into his dad's circle and his dad is hanging out with him and even wanting to do kind of like father-son things like let's hunt the house to find out where the rotting thing is. It's, like you said, I was kind of... That's a father-son thing? (laughs) Have you ever... No, I've done that before of where something something is in the house we need to find or something smells in the house. Let's go look for it together. I've actually done that with my dad several times. Interesting. There there have not been rotting raccoons in the chimney. I feel somewhat disappointed now we've not found that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm very much with you. Where I expected going in that Kendall wouldn't even be part of the show for a while. That he might show back up at the mid-season premiere. Yeah, that was kind of my thought. I thought we might get many episodes without his character even there. But no, I mean, and I think that the reason I would put Kendall um, in the second position here for Roy of the episode is because his gains are, I know those are real. Oh, yeah. I don't know if Shib's gains are real. If they are, then she's Roy of the episode, but I'm skeptical. Well, and very pointedly, nothing about what she has gained is public. Whereas him, they're going to announce that probably on Monday that he's COO. This is something that he can you know, put in the bank. Whereas her, it's purely just on trust that, that Logan's not lying to you. And God help you if you're betting on that one. Yep. Yeah, that's it. That is... Roy of the episode, we have finished our segments. We have finished our review of season two, episode one of HBO Succession, The Summer Palace. Anything you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, Only that the title of the next episode is just making me want to watch it right now. You know what it is? No, what is it? Oh, Valter? Valter. Yeah. I've got hopes and dreams for what that's going to be. I think you're going to like it, man. Um, Good. Well, I look forward to doing this again with you next week. This is Mangum Talks TV. We're reviewing HBO Succession. We're going to go through all of season two. Uh, We release these every Sunday. Thanks for listening, folks. See you.